This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Enterprise BizBytes, and it is Monday, the 27th of November, 12.05 here in the studio, coming up to 12.06. We're going to be speaking a little bit today about neurodiversity. Now, it's a concept that challenges traditional views of neurological differences by recognizing and celebrating the diversity of the human brain. Coined in the late 1990s by Australian sociologist Judy Singer and popularized by the autism community, neurodiversity advocates for the acceptance and inclusion of individuals with neurological variations such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia and other conditions. Now, rather than viewing these differences as disorders that need to be fixed or normalized, Neurodiversity emphasizes the inherent value and unique perspectives that neurodivergent individuals bring to society. This paradigm shift seeks to create a more inclusive and understanding world that embraces the richness of human cognitive diversity across various contexts, including education, employment and social interactions. In recent years, many organizations, including progressive employers like Ernst & Young, have embraced neurodiversity as a key component of thy, their diversity and inclusion initiatives, fostering environments where individuals of all neurological backgrounds can thrive and contribute meaningfully. If you've got any thoughts on this, you can WhatsApp our U mobile number at 018-789-8899 or you can reach us on X and we are at BFM Radio. Now, to help me understand this topic further and how organizations can truly embrace neurodiversity, I'm speaking with Lao Choi Huat, the Malaysia People Advisory Services Leader at Ernst & Young Consulting. Thank you very much for joining us here in the studio today. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. And how are you feeling this uh, wonderful Monday afternoon? I'm feeling great. Uh, it's, uh, it's sunny out there, so all good. It's not too bad at all today, is it? For a Monday afternoon, at least, anyway. Now, you've heard me do a brief introduction there, but um, coming from you, can you explain to me what, f for you, neurodiversity means? It's very simple, Richard. Um, to me, neurodiversity basically celebrates the difference in terms of our cognitive mind, right? And uh, and because it is a variation, um, it is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And uh, generally, you would say that some people are more typical. So we call them neurotypicals. Mm -hmm. Some people are more divergent, mm -hmm. right, in the way that they think. And there are specific traits that we can double-click and, and get down to that. Mm. So basically, uh, so we've got neurodivergence and neurotypicals. And if I can kind of just share a piece of a data point, um, between 15 to 20% of the world's population uh, are neurodivergent, right. right? Yet, I think the challenge that we have in society and in business, it's, you know, 85%, uh, if not more, are either underemployed or unemployed. Mm. So that represents a lot of opportunity for us. Mm -mm. Uh, we we hear, that, hear that term a lot, uh, spectrum, somebody is on the spectrum, we hear about that quite a lot. But the, the idea of, of it being... Um, it's now become a topic that we can freely discuss, you know, without it becoming something that many people feel uncomfortable about discussing. Do you feel that as well now? Absolutely, Richard. I mean, um, you know, I grew up in a generation where diversity basically it's, you know, 
race, religion, yeah. Yeah. and maybe sometimes age, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a very basic demographic type of diversity. Mm-hmm. I think fast forward to where we are today in terms of society and where the world is, I think neurodiversity, it's definitely emerging. Uh, of course, I think if, if I think about, you know, where it could go, it could go very far because I think businesses are only starting to figure out mm. how to harness the power of thinking differently. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what do you think are... Or give me some examples, I guess, of some of the prevalent traits and skills in neurodivergent individuals, NDIs. And what kind of jobs or and are these jobs and skills kind of equally matched for, would you say? Absolutely. Um, so some of the traits are uh, attention to detail. Yeah. Right? People who are on a spectrum, some of them are very good in, in terms of getting into the details. Hyper-focus. Yeah. They can focus a, a lot. But also at the same time, they may drop off the, the cliff, right, um, at, at some point. Uh, some of them have got this innate ability for creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a lot of innovation that you can harness there. Uh, and so on and so forth, right? There's, so there's just, you know, so, so many traits that I think will be relevant to certain jobs. Mm. Um, so if I think about jobs, there are also a variety of jobs. Um, so there's the more typical transactional jobs. So a lot of hotels, if you ask me out there, have got higher people on the spectrum to do cleaning, mm. um, you know, um, make up their bed and so on and so forth. There are also organizations uh, just like EY and some of our clients have started to look at how do we harness neurodiversity for high-value jobs. Attention to detail, for example, is very good uh, for someone who, who do programming, coding. Yeah, yeah. Um, hyper-focus as well, right? Uh, Problem-solving. Um, so, so we harness a lot of neurodiversity in, in, in EY because we do a lot of problem solving, for example, mm-hmm. right, for clients mm-hmm. and for our technology work. I, I, I have seen, um, for sure, examples of that, you know, uh, computer programmers, for example. I've seen many, many uh, computer programmers who are n- neurodivergent and are extremely good at what they do. Um, now, um, moving on a little bit, what do you think are some of the challenges that um, individuals with neurodivergent traits will often face it in the workplace. And I'm guessing one of those things is, is acceptance at first for, for both the, those as an individual and for the, the employers and the employees at first, because it may not be something that they're used to experiencing. Absolutely. Uh, as an employee, sometimes, you know, uh, they may come across as weird, right? right, uh, right. They are fidgety. Um, they have, they talk loudly or they, they could be very direct in yeah. their in their response. Uh, some have got, um, you know, um, uh, more like, uh, you know, just that sensory, uh, you know, sensations to fabric, tables, chairs, right, computers. Yeah. So I think there is there is there is that in terms of um, perception of of employees on the spectrum, but I think from the employers uh, as well. I think you know um, some employers just don't understand yeah. uh, what is neurodiversity. So there's a lot of education. Um, yeah. With, with that in mind, then how uh, as an individual who's not kind of been exposed to that, mm. how would they, I, I guess, address these individuals effectively? Uh, and what strategies might they need to put into place to allow people like people with who are neurodivergent to kind of thrive in, in the workplace? I think firstly, it's around awareness and education. I think I think that's very important. Like what you said just now, uh, Richard. I think we we just need to make sure that both employers and employees have got this level of awareness that mm. 
neurodiversity, it's it's all about skills and the strength that they bring in and we need to celebrate that, mm-hmm. right? I think the other aspect is around leaders. I think uh, leaders need to lead the way and, and, and drive the charge in mm-hmm. terms of neurodiversity by championing this. And I say that in the context of driving business performance, not for charity, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we are doing neurodiversity for charity's sake. You may, you may not be able to fully harness the the power of uh, neurodiversity in the context of business and, yeah. and, and innovation. There's no point in just doing it just for the sake of doing it. Not at all, right. because um, then you're just doing it for pity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think that, yeah, there's a lot more we can and do. And nobody benefits from that at all. Nobody. Okay. Nobody. Uh, just before we take a break then, um, when it comes, we, we spoke about diversity, you know, but how does embracing, I guess, neurodiversity and contribute to the overall diversity, equity and inclusion inclusion initiatives, for example. Why is this crucial for a, a diverse workforce moving forward, I guess, is the, is the first question. I think these days, if you think about where the workforce is moving, we've got, you know, different generations of workforce. And I think there's a lot more awareness around celebrating diversity yeah. and inclusion. Yeah. And you talk about equity, yeah. right? I think neurodiversity cuts across uh, the D, the E, uh, and the I. Um, if I if I think about um, you know um, as I said high value jobs, it's about providing lives and livelihoods right uh, for for someone who's uh, on the spectrum, but also it helps businesses right. So I think how how does it help is really up to uplift um, the entire organization in terms of culture, mm. ability to harness um, creativity and innovation, and ultimately mm. drive business results. Mm. I mean. I have worked for so many different companies across so many different cultures and with this the idea of diversity for me is when for example when I go into a company looking to move into that company and I see that there's this huge diversity whether it's race religion age background neurodivergent or not that is something that I actively look for because for me I feel if you can be inclusive to everybody then you know that that company is somebody who's looking after their employees genuinely looking after their employees and that directly translates to the products and the services that they offer I feel Oh, yes, absolutely. I agree with you because I think the more diverse we are, particularly in our culture here, right, uh, yeah. in Malaysia and in, and, and in the ASEAN perspective, there's, there's just a lot of opportunities for us to better embrace, mm. uh, you know, diversity, right, uh, mm. at large. All right. Let's take a short break. Folks, I'm here in the studio with Lao Chai uh, Choi Huat, the Malaysia People's Advisory Services Leader at Ernst & Young. We're talking a little bit about neurodiversity. Don't go anywhere. If you have any questions or if you have anything you want to contribute during this discussion, get us on our UMOL WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. You can get us on X. We're at BFM Radio. We're going to take a short break on BFM 89.9, the business station. Bias Free Media. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury. It is Monday, the 27th of November, 12.20 here in the studio. Uh, with me here in the studio, it is Lo Choi Huat, the Malaysia People's Advisory Services at Leader, uh, sorry, Leader at Ernst & Young Consulting. We're talking about neurodiversity. And just before the break, we were kind of briefly explaining what it means and going through some of the challenges that some of these individuals could have. Now, um, I, I guess... I want to look at the um, the ecosystem here in Malaysia, particularly the neurodiverse ecosystem. Do you think that the the government and the public and private sector uh, offer a supportive environment? 
or even a support system um, that promotes and embraces neurodiversity in the society and workplace? That's a great question, uh, Richard. I think if I try to define what the neurodiversity ecosystem is, mm. uh, for us, there are four parts, right? It's businesses, as you said. That's academia, because I think there needs to be some research and thought leadership and yeah. so on and so forth. There's the uh, NGOs, and also there's the government. Right. Now, in, in the Malaysian context, I think the government has done their part. There is the P, the, the, the Persons with Disability Act, and so on and so forth. So I think that's, that's there. Mm. I think businesses can do more, mm. right? And we are still developing and maturing. Uh, in fact, as you said, a neurodiversity as a term is fairly nascent yeah, uh, to yeah. some people, right? Yeah. But it's all about harnessing the entire, ecos- uh, the entire ecosystem. Mm. It's not mm. about one part of it doing more or less. So I think that's the exam question. Mm. How can we really harness the power of the ecosystem mm. um, and, and, and really bring this to the next level? What, what do you think would, would be the next step then to help harness that thing? Couple of things. I think one thing uh, is, I think, as I say, I think businesses can do more um, to create more high value jobs for people who are on the spectrum. I think that's uh, a missed opportunity over the years, but I think mm. now we're starting to realize that. Hey, you know, given the the uh, the uh, importance of digital AI and technology jobs out there, there is an opportunity to to do more. Yeah, um, I think for the uh, NGOs, I think they, they they always need to have a platform because NGOs would typically um, look at the supply side of neurodiversity, helping with accommodation, job coaching, and so on and so forth. Mm. They need to work more closely with the businesses, right, to bridge the gap and to really balance out the demand and the supply mm. Mm. for specific roles that will require certain traits to be successful. Mm. And of course, from a government perspective, I think the the, the next is to really celebrate this, mm. right, in a, in a fairly open manner, because today neurodiversity is still coded as a form of disability. Mm. Uh, of course, we can uh, yeah. uh, argue about it, whether it's a disability or it's a superpower. Mm. But I think today uh, we're still looking at neurodiversity as a uh, form of disability in the in the definition in, of, in Malaysia in Malaysia right. in the um, Persons with Disability Act. Uh-huh. And does that differ worldwide as well, as well? Do you think? I mean, do certain countries recognize it as something else and not a disability? Yeah, correct. So uh, I think it's is really you know from a perspective point of view, right? I think what we're trying to encourage the businesses is don't look at it as a form of disability. Um, because, you know, it's all about harnessing skills and strength, yeah, right, yeah. to drive a business uh, outcome. Mm. Um, but I think uh, more, I think more so on the, on, on the West, it's probably not on ACT, mm. uh, but I think it's, it's all about, can we do more with this? Mm, mm, mm. And I think the trend is coming. Okay, well, let's talk about what you guys have been doing over at oh, e- sure. EY. Um, you've implement, have you implemented policies to foster them within, within your workplace? Absolutely, Richard. So at EY, we have got 19 neurodiversity centers of excellence, right, across seven countries around the world uh, that that really harnesses the power of uh, neurodiversity for very specific roles. We call them ABCD. Okay. Uh, automation AI, blockchain, cloud cybersecurity, uh-huh. and data science, right? So ABCD, very simple to, re- uh, yeah. to remember. Yeah. So, so uh, we, over the, the eight years of doing this, uh, we have about 500 or more than 500 people now in our NCOE, our Neurodiversity Center of Excellence. And for us, just uh, the reason why we established that is a form of attracting the, the neurodiverse talent and really connect them uh, connecting them with the, with the right roles. Mm. And little do we know that once we start to do this, more people in the EY ecosystem, the, the EY network, have started to pull up their, their hands and say, 
I'm actually neurodiverse myself, right? Mm. I'm dyslexic and so on and so forth. So today we have a thriving community in EY, about more than 3,000 people now. Uh, and it's a very um, diverse community because it's not just for the neurodivergent, but it's also for the neurotypicals yeah. who can join the community and have conversations. And a safe space to be doing it. Safe in. space. And, and, and I, I just want to also say that uh, in ASEAN, um, so November is where we celebrate neurodiversity, right? So neurodiversity November. Uh, and we have done three uh, sessions where we create awareness uh, amongst our community around the importance. And so providing psychological safety to mm. our employees while mm. on the spectrum. Mm. And what is it for you guys? How is it, you, you know, you, you're doing this and how does that kind of serve the community, I guess? I mean, and, and are you helping to kind of educate the community by saying, look, we're doing it. You know, we've been established a long time. We have all of these people all the way around the world. We're doing, we're setting up these centers. If we can do it and we can employ these people and show you that they have superpowers, you know, why can't you guys doing it? Absolutely. So we we have uh, info sessions um, here in Malaysia. We had a few rounds already, mm. and this is where you know we engage with all of the NGOs uh, for them to download because you have to really focus on one community uh, at a time, right, mm. um, or one part of the ecosystem uh, at a time. So so we have done that. And Richard, we're not just doing this for ourselves uh, in EY. Uh, we're also helping clients, mm -hmm. right, to really step up on their not just the, their DEI agenda, but to help them harness the talent mm. and the power of thinking differently, specifically in their, you know, uh, technology, uh, digital areas, right? Mm. So, so we're also helping clients. And if I think about why we're doing this uh, from a broader EY perspective, our purpose is to build a better working world. Right, right. And this is truly aligned with mm. who we are and what we do. Do you, playing devil's advocate for just a moment, do you often get pushback from companies who might not be so comfortable about employing neurodivergent individuals? Great question. Um, yes, uh, I have, because I think, you know, some companies are basically saying, well, I'm not ready. I think that's a very polite right. way yeah, yeah, of yeah, saying yeah. no. Yeah, right? yeah. But also some clients and say that, look, um, I need my leaders and my, my general population of employees to really understand, appreciate this topic a bit further right. because no two neurodivergents are the same, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and if I hire and bring in a few neurodivergents, it's not just about the two, three people. It's the whole team. Mm -hmm. It's the organization. It's the cultures, mm -hmm. making sure that the leaders are ready. So it's really a fairly complex uh, kind of problem to, uh, to solve, but happy to report that there are some clients that we have in Malaysia who have taken the plunge, right? And to really experiment uh, with, this, with this concept and to really find Point, uh, proof points um, to really make this work. Mm. So I'll just share with you some proof points yeah. is, is around um, can someone who, who has no university degree do a, a technical job, mm. right? Uh, do programming mm. or, or, or and, and things like that. Um, so another proof point is uh, someone with a with very different educational background who's on the spectrum, can he or she do a, a digital role, right? So, so these are the examples of challenges. Um, and when I say challenge, is really proof points that the clients wants to be comfortable that, right, yeah. that these are that there is a ready talent pool out there that I can harness, and there are suitable jobs that I have internally, and is re really about bringing it together. Mm. 
Great stuff. Okay, we need to take a short break. Folks, we're talking about neurodiversity here on Enterprise Biz Bites. We've got a few more questions uh, left uh, before we wrap up for the afternoon. Don't go anywhere, though. But as I said earlier on, if you want to get in touch with us and discuss this topic, get us via our U Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. We're right back after these messages here on Enterprise Biz Bites on BFM 89.9, the business station. Billions from me, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Monday, 27th of November, 12.36 here in the studio. Having a discussion here today with uh, my good friend who I've been uh, speaking to within the last half an hour is Lo Choi Huat, the Malaysia People's Advisory Services Leader at Ernst & Young Consulting, speaking about neuro, uh, neurodiversity, uh, which is a concept that challenges traditional views of neurological differences by recognizing and celebrating the diversity of the human brain. Now, uh, I guess the last couple of questions, and we briefly touched on what you at EY were doing. Uh, now, what about some of the partnerships or collaborations that EY have done uh, with organizations or, or even your clients uh, focused on neurodiversity and inclusion in the workplace? What are some of the common challenges uh, that you've encountered, I guess, or the clients have encountered? Thanks, Richard. Um, globally at EY, mm. we have partnerships with, um, for example, the ADHD Foundation uh, in the UK uh, and also with um, Richard Branson's uh, foundation, which mm -hmm. is made by dyslexia, right? And, and so on and so forth. So we've got. Because he's dyslexic, I believe. He's right? dyslexic yeah. and is a very well documented yeah. uh, use case, right? Uh, and in fact, there's a very interesting story there. But anyway, we'll double click on that separately. But um, so, so we've got partnerships globally with uh, with uh, many uh, NGOs to to rethink about you know how do we take neurodiversity and apply that in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Now here in Malaysia, I'm I'm proud to say, and and this is in the public domain, so I can say openly, uh, we have a memorandum of understanding, a MOU with Patronas, mm. uh, and the purpose of the MOU is to really advance and really build a momentum for neurodiversity. Uh, in the workplace, right? Um, and Petronas, as you know, is a nation builder. Um, EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. So yeah. we're coming together to really build this uh, ecosystem uh, and a way forward for mm -hmm, Malaysia. Mm -hmm. you, you said you, you have an event. Is it in August, did you say? Yes. So, uh, well, um, no, it's actually next April. So, oh, the, April, so, so, so part of the uh, M MOU is to really... Um, get to a neurodiversity summit uh, in April next year. Right. Um, of course, it's autism April. But in order to get there, uh, what we are trying to achieve in the uh, uh, MOU is to redo a business roundtable mm. in February so that we can build it up to the to the summit. So watch this space. All right, then. Now, um, I, I guess one of the things that I, I want to touch on is for those companies that, that have embraced this, how has it positively impact these organizations? And, and, and I, I guess more importantly, their business outcomes, you know, because we've said it's great to be more diverse, but I guess at the end of the day, managers, CEOs want to see results. And are they seeing a positive results because they've become more diverse by being more inclusive with people who are neurodiverse? I think the short answer is yes, from what I've seen and from a lot of the work that not just we've done uh, in UI also, but also with uh, with clients. Mm. So so where, where are the business benefits? Mm. Um, I think we see better productivity um, because people who are on, on, you know, on the spectrum can spot uh, patterns, can look at details. Uh, in fact, you know, 
there's a very specific example around someone who is working in a shared service center context, uh, looking at tickets coming in, and he could spot patterns that his peers couldn't see. Wow. Right? Uh, and as a result, uh, we introduced a piece of automation for that particular task, and it saved this client hundreds of man hours, right? So it's just very small things, but the business impact is, is huge in terms mm. of productivity. So that's one bucket. There's also another bucket around creativity and mm. innovation. I think mm. that's a huge benefit because when you harness different strength and different abilities and, and put people together to work as a team, someone who's actually on the spectrum would ask a different question. For sure. Would see things from a different perspective. Um, so, for example, looking at data model 3D and you know, we look at what NASA has done and it's well documented, they've got people to look at 3D models to interpret um, data that comes back from telescopes and so on and so forth, right? So, 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 so I think that's, that's the second bucket. I think the third bucket is, is around leadership and culture. Uh, you think about, you know, um, where businesses is, is, is going. Um, it actually improves uh, team morale because then people will come together and, and, re and rally to a common cause. So I think neurodiversity does bring a lot of business benefits, both tangible mm. and intangible. Mm. And also it makes leaders, um, you know, better leaders because now as a leader, I, I actually get to lead a team um, you know, where I have neurotypicals and neurodiverse at the same time. So mm. it makes all of us better leaders mm. as a result. I, and I guess just to kind of wrap up, um, if you're a small business now, you know, and, and you, you, you're obviously, you're starting up and you're starting to hire people, would you advise a small business to start looking at people who are neurodivergent right from the beginning? Or, or would you maybe, I, I don't know, should they hold off? It sounds like a very broad question. But is it important to, to be um, open and um, I guess inclusive right from the start, I suppose is the question I'm asking. I think it's down to the mindset, right? Mm. So for small businesses, uh, particularly, I think it's important to recognize that neurodiversity exists. It's important to recognize that there's an opportunity to harness it. Of course, it comes with what is the role that is available, right? right. And why do I do this? Right, do I right. do this for charity? Going or do back I, to what we were saying earlier we're on. Saying, right? yeah, so so yeah. I think small businesses can do small baby steps by mm. recognizing, by creating awareness and really finding the right roles mm. Um, mm. to fit um, mm. you know, someone who's neurodivergent. Thank you so much for this chat today. I've really, really enjoyed it. Excellent. Folks, I've been speaking here uh, with uh, my friend. It is Lau. Uh, are we calling it Lau or Low? It's Low, right? Lao, low. No, it's low, isn't it? I've been yeah. saying Lao all the afternoon. Low Choi Huat, the Malaysia People's Advisory Services Leader at Ernst & Young Consulting. Of course, he's been joining me here in the studio. He will come back because I have a lot more questions for him, but I have to wrap up for today. But if you did miss any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find out our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just search for Enterprise Biz Bites. Uh, now, looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay coming up after the 1 p.m. news bulletin. Don't go anywhere. And this has been Enterprise Biz Bites here on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.